welcome, good afternoon, and I uh, hope you're all doing well. Yeah, the football show is back with the A-team. Uh, Nevin, hello my friend, it's been a while. Our international break lasted a bit longer than the normal international break uh, footballers have, but um, it was down to various reasons, most of them, pretty much all of them, down to me to be fair. But it's really good to be back with the football show. How are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Yes, finally, it's, it's nice to be back and uh, good to be doing this on a Sunday. It's something that we always look forward to, right? Like Sunday evenings, four o'clock, we have to do our podcast and, you know, talk to our fans as well. So it's, it's nice to be back. Uh, I um, I know Bharat is being very nice and saying that it's on him, but uh, partly due to me as well. It's been an extremely few busy and unprecedented weekends for me as well. So hopefully, you know, everything's going to be normal and there's a lot of football to talk about. So happy to be back yeah we've um you know missed quite a few big stories and uh, i think the word of 2021 is unprecedented i think that's been uh used in a lot of uh, different uh, conversations but yeah it has been and uh, we have uh, a lot to catch up on but like you say sundays were really special looking forward to the football show speaking to you um normally about isl but now we've broadened it to uh, football around the world but uh Let's just catch up in terms of what, where you've been, because uh, I know you've had a busy time uh, covering the Olympics, which seems a bit of a distant memory now, although, you know, it, it was full on for you at that time. But uh, how, have you, how have you been keeping busy and uh, occupying yourself? I sort of felt the need to take a break after the Olympics. And I think it's been doing a lot of high, I, I've been doing a lot of high intensity work for um, I think ever since we started talking, I've been doing a lot of work. So I sort of switched off. I wanted to take some time off, uh, you know, meet my friends and do little, little things like that and just stay away from work because I was sort of losing my interest in covering sports and I don't, I didn't want to reach that state. So um, I, I started doing some other projects, not even remotely, remotely in, uh, you know, close to sports, just trying to take my mind away also been doing a little bit of upskilling so i've been trying 360 cameras and you know drones and learning a little bit of new stuff here and there but obviously you can't take football away from our lives so obviously following all this uh, all that's been happening and it's been a very eventful even though there's not a lot of football happening i mean there's Duran cup afc and all that but somehow the conversation's been an all-time high there's a lot of conversation on twitter there's a lot of conversation on social media other platforms so um just generally been, you know, I've been a fly on the wall as much as I can and been observing what is happening with sports and not really, you know, neck deep in it. So it's 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 been a nice break. Uh, that's an interesting comment you made because it was very full on. I know we were speaking during the Olympics, but um, as a media person who has that intensity and you know you can have that sort of workload, it obviously it does sort of burn burn you out as well. But does it? sort of um you know you lose a slight love for the sport if you're in that intense environment i i think it's very natural um and a lot of people talk about it i think within within the fraternity um it, it reaches a point where we don't want a person to win a medal or we don't want the person we want we don't want the team to win the match because we just like it's extra effort you know we're just tired and we just want to get it done with so um, I mean, that's not true. We always want the team to be successful and we want the medals, but like it's a conversation because we are all exhausted. And like I said, during the Olympics, we are working from four in the morning to like 11 in the night. And 11 in the night is a good day. Sometimes it can go up to like one in the night. So uh, it was extremely heavy work. And uh, it's not even like you could. I, I think lost a lot of weight during the Olympics because I was skipping meals and yeah, I, I wasn't sleeping well. So I knew I had to take a break after that. So it's it. I mean, I loved my stint at Sportskeeda, uh, but I knew that I had to, you know, take a, a little bit of a break and uh, just start looking at football and everything a little bit. So hopefully, I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking about the documentary. Hopefully, it'll start. The, I mean, I'll start the process. And it's a very, it's a difficult topic to uh, shoot. So hopefully, it'll have me, you know, engrossed. And uh, and uh, Kalpand also, I'm hoping to restart again to a couple of videos just to you know get that old love for sports back so uh, next week i have a shoot um, aligned so hopefully that's going to take place so it's been good i've i've no complaints but 
I think, uh, and I think I'm I, maybe in journalism or like in sports, there is at least a conversation. But I think everybody gets exhausted after a while, and it's important that we do get our breaks. And unfortunately, uh, the pandemic and everything has not really allowed us to go take our like you know we always had our coping mechanism, but that just sort of got cut off. So I have like good friends across the country. I can't go meet them. I can't go to Delhi. I can't go to Bombay. I I think I managed to slip into Chennai once. But like my friends are spread across the country, so it's been very difficult to you know catch up and uh, just do normal things, you know, just get a beer and just talk to you know a couple of friends. That that's also not been possible. Uh, but slowly things are opening up. I've gotten back to playing football again, and uh, hope I'm hearing that the swimming pools are going to be open soon. That'll be the best. That's the best thing that can happen. I miss swimming so much. I've not swam for like good two years. So hopefully that's uh, that's what's going to happen. Well, in a way, I'm not. I don't have any sympathy for you because um, in most places around the world, you know, if you're burnt out, you have to go hundreds of miles to get a bit of um, scenery and a bit of uh, relaxation with the weather and the view. You just have to open your window, and wow, the views are incredible. Um, I, I'm on the seventeenth floor right now. Um, and the view outside is stunning. I maybe towards the end of the video, I'll show you that it's beautiful. So, well, you know, something well, I, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lure, lure you to Kerala someday. <laughs> well, we have spoken about this, and um, just before I come to uh, visiting the beautiful country, uh, state of Kerala, and uh, your views as to what's happening here, because I only get the true picture when I speak to you because I, I read the headlines and what have you, but that's not giving us the full picture. But fantastic news about Galbant and uh, that you're going to shoot a couple of videos. It's something that I love, you know that, and I'm not being biased here. They're fantastically shot, incredibly interesting story. So really looking forward to that. And um, I have to say to the um, the listeners and viewers, you know, if you've not uh, subscribed to Vuvuzela, I don't know, I've read the uh, I look forward to receiving that email where I can read some unknown story to me and the last one about Manipur and the one before that with Pune. That was really, really interesting. How's that project going? Oh, it's been good. Um, we've been, um, I'm pretty proud of uh, Vuvuzela because uh, we've also been paying our writers and it's not even been like some, I, I was very clear that this is at the end of the day journalism and I want to respect the writers as well. So a lot of writers have gotten back and saying that, you know, uh, you're doing this way better than national media. We get paid on time. We get paid more than, you know, a lot of these uh, top organizations as well. And we are allowing them to write the way they want it about stories that don't get published otherwise. So uh, it's been a great exercise. I wish there are more subscribers, which would mean we'll get more writers. And so whatever I mean, I've been very transparent about it. I earned around uh, close to a lakh rupees from subscription. And uh, what I did was I took 20,000 away, which, um, which goes to the, the maintenance and uh, the design of the sort of illustration work as well, fantastic illustration work uh, for that. And on top of it, I divided 80 by 24. Uh, 24 editions and I'm just giving out all the money. So I've, I've got like literally not one rupee advantage running it. I just want to run it to tell people that, you know, journalism matters and, you know, if you really pursue it, we can find a way where all these things can coexist. And I've also meant, uh, like um, made a tie-up with the event platform. So they carry our uh, uh, old articles so that there is justice to the story as well. It shouldn't just remain with a few people who have subscribed. So after a while, obviously, people who have subscribed get the first edition and, uh, you know, the actual mail. But the story eventually goes out on the AVN platform as well. So sort of trying to make it um, as as utopian as possible <laughs> with the, with the uh, uh, newsletter. Well, I can't uh, recommend it highly enough. And if anybody's not read uh, any articles, have a look. And um, if you can share the link to subscribing, um, on, you know, just from the quality of the articles and the stories that you find, I think it's it's well worth supporting. And the more people subscribe, like you say, the, hopefully we'll get a lot more of those uh, quality articles and stories. So please share the link so more people can hear about it. And um, we'll share it, obviously, through our media platforms. Um, and in terms of, you know, sort of getting back um, to uh, normal, um, how is it in the state? Because, you know, 
for whatever reason, uh, in a good way. I suppose it's because of the way UK is that we've decided, the government has decided we're going to live with it. We're going to take the hit in terms of deaths and uh, positive uh, results. Because if you look by the figures, they're like what it was when we had fairly strict measures in uh, April, May, that sort of level of um, numbers you're talking about, whether it's hospitalizations, positive deaths, deaths. So in a way, COVID is not talked about as anywhere uh, much now. We've, I think uh, everybody's bought into the government's view that, yeah, we'll live with it, we'll take the hits and we'll get, we are normal. I mean, as you know, football's back to normal. I was at a game yesterday, no social, no, no measures at all. Um, how is it in Kerala? Because as you know, we've been talking uh, during the week and um, I'm really hoping to come and visit your beautiful state in November. Um, how is it there? Um, I mean, Kerala is still one of the most affected states as per the numbers officially available with the government. But within Kerala, I think we have a feeling that we are, we are good in terms of our health infrastructure is not stretched by any stretch of imagination. We are leading the country in terms of vaccination. More than a crore people have double vaxxed. And uh, there is no vaccine hesitancy anywhere. Everybody's, you know, everybody's queuing up and getting it done. So I think uh, after unprecedented, the next commonly used term is a new normal. And I think we are all just embracing the idea of this new normal. And um, hence, I think uh, I've seen a lot of uh, places open up. I think dining is also now. Uh, in the next week is going to open up with 50% capacity. Um, and it's only fair, Bharat, because, I mean, when you look at the other side, there are shopkeepers who have been paying rent for the next last two years. Um, there have been so many people who have been rendered jobless. So it's only fair that, you know, we now start pushing on and we have to think about these people as well. You know, we were, we were the lucky ones who got the salary regardless of what went around but a lot of people really depended on like and Kerala is a state that really thrives on tourism imagine the kind of uh, you know setback we would have taken in the last two years so I I am all for opening up I think it's reached a point where we can we can teach people about the importance of vaccination make it as uh, smoothly available as possible even Sputnik is now available in um, in Kerala uh, the one shot variety so hopefully things will get better I mean, um, um, my grandmother was not keeping well for the last two, three weeks. So she was in and out of the ICU and you got to see a lot of post-COVID cases. So the reality is still grim. This, this is something that really hurts the body and people should take it seriously in terms of getting a double mask or getting an N95 mask, using the sanitizer. Nothing should stop. We should not think that this is over. It's far from over. It's there. It's a reality. But we need to sort of figure out a good way if you can afford to not go out of home you still should i mean should not go out of home ideally but um, you know we need to find a middle ground also it's, it can't be that the state just gets locked down and everybody you know is rendered jobless so hopefully hopefully there's a middle path somewhere yeah absolutely well like i said the uk hasn't chosen the middle part and um, you mentioned the new normal it's not the new normal it's the same old normal um, apart from the work-related, a lot of people are now used to working from home, so uh, I think that was that's the biggest change from before. Um, so yeah, here is very very different. Everything's open. There's you know even in the news, uh, the fig the stories are usually a one-minute segment uh, halfway through the news. So that's how much it's changed here. And I think we are the only country that's behaving this way, but. You know, it's not going to be possible to lock down people now that we're back to normal. But uh, I take your point and um, I'm hoping um, things will improve in the next four or five weeks. There's not going to be a third wave or anything like that. And I can visit this beautiful country and take that off uh, my bucket list. So looking forward to that. But let's talk about football and uh, what's been happening. Because let's start with home. What's, what's been happening at home? And, uh, you know, um, I've been looking at... Um, well, I was going to start with talking about the Duran Cup, but uh, let's mention uh, ATK and uh, what happened during the week. A bit of a reality check against the Uzbeks in the AFC Cup. And uh, ATK were playing pretty much their front um, first 11. I think ATK took this lightly. There is no two ways about it. I think the preparation-wise, they were just not prepared enough for a team as um, as good as the their opposition. So. 
partly to be blamed, but partly is also reality check for sure. Like we are nowhere close, and uh, that gap cannot be closed by getting fascinating uh, foreigners. It, I mean, it has to be only closed uh, through good Indian players, and unfortunately. ATK did lose Sandesh Jingden. I don't know how much of a difference that's going to be, but like, uh, uh, the, I mean, it, it, whether they should have approached that match, uh, which is, uh, that that's a bigger question. And Habas was giving out reasons like the pitch, we are not used to playing fast football. And that is what a coach is also there for. I get what, what he is pointing out. Like, I know that the gameplay is generally very slow in India because of the surface and, um, you know, other issues like that. But, as, I mean, as a coach, when you know there is an opponent uh, who's going to play fast kind of football, um, there is mod, there is so many coaching methods which can be used to you know prepare the team in some ways. I was talking to somebody in FC Goa uh, a couple of days back, and I asked him what they did right against uh, tough uh, AFC opponents, and uh, he was uh, he admitted that they were lucky. So. On that day, the FC Goa overperformed because they said uh, within the team there was a lot of conversation on on the same issue that the pace was just too much from the opponent. They, they were relentless and you know there was no space. FC Goa produced say 200% of their capacity on that night uh, and in that tournament. So ATK perhaps were on their 60%. So th I think that's the biggest difference and uh, um, and partly the opponents were in Goa. They had hardly any time to prepare for the tournament when they were playing FC Goa. So I think in this case, um, uh, they didn't, you know, really suffer due to bad pitch or, you know, difficult circumstances. It was home favorable conditions, which which really led to, the, led to the right. I wish they had like played like an underdog ATK and, you know, just shut shop to do the uh, bus parking and, you know, try to figure out a result rather than go there without any i think it's a lack of preparation to be very honest i think the coach needs to take the blame um all those points that he highlighted is correct but it's not something that can be changed overnight that's a systematic change that needs to happen in indian football and i don't even think that's a priority there's a lot of other things that need to be changed in indian football so it's going to take a long time to reach there yeah but the golfing class was quite big i mean uh, we have to say uh, nasaf are regular uh, competitors they're usually in the champions league and uh, but to lose six nil and uh, against one of our well arguably the best team in india uh, last year um it was surprising obviously go over uh, some people will say go over playing at home so that makes a difference as well but um still i didn't expect this sort of a result uh, from adk and i think yeah it, 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 I don't know. I get your point about you know the standard of football and they're not used to that pace. But these are all internationals, homegrown and overseas. Uh, but um, you know, used to playing overseas as well as a national team, and so are the other guys who've come in. Uh, but it was still a res you know a f complete flashing that I wasn't expecting. And I like I looked at the uh, I didn't see the game, but I saw um, the report and uh, the lineup, and I thought there's something maybe a few players missing but no there was a full team out and i thought i was expecting more from atk put it that way i think this is just an extension of what happened against bangladesh what happened against nepal i don't think we need to see this as a separate story uh what has been happening to the national team there's no direction football is poor we don't have any right to say that we are better than nepal and bangladesh anymore we just sort of edged them so um so that's a reality right so if if that's where our national team is how can a, a team from this country be significantly better uh when i mean our clubs can compete with clubs in bangladesh and nepal that is a reality we can't compete with these west asian uh, you know top teams so what um what fc goa did remains uh, an anomaly it's not it's not it's not anywhere close to normal um, and if you ask FC Goa to do it again I doubt whether they can replicate the same thing as well so we need to we need to really change things in India it's we, are, we say this every so, year we say this every year yeah I mean every month uh, I think uh, now that now you're part of the system now <laughs> if you're long enough to know this uh, but really uh, have more competitions have more um, have that doggedness 
in 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 football right i mean this is my problem with the arrows project as well i know everybody comes pointing their guns at me whenever i call out the arrows project but like the youngsters i just said go play where is that fight where i mean you have to fight for a relegation you have to fight for your you know place in the team at 18 to 21 you're developing these youngsters who who just can't you know uh, take the step up i mean um, for uh, i mean the, the, the uh, two days back we were discussing on what kerala blasters need to do and how this team can actually be something and the answer came from within you know it has to be that we need um, im vijayans and jopols and those legendary kind of figures who who's going to inspire a, a generation of footballers from within you have to identify from here and you look at the uh, you know potential stars at 18 19 21 they've already you know colored their hair they've got uh, uh, millions of instagram followers they're already stars they don't have to do anything else they've already stars they they uh, they earn more than a, a crore um, 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 a year at uh, at 20 years at 21 years um, it's i mean i partly blame social media but it's i mean it's, uh, social media is also a reality of things right so you need to really inspire uh, a generation of sports persons and i think uh, this will only come with a lot of mental health training a uh, lot of education um, because i mean again something i was just sort of struck in a, a recent conversation that tao our first captain uh, the first captain of indian national team um, who also got an offer from arsenal and he, he turned out um tao was also a surgeon having a top class uh, uh, top class doctor as well and on top of it um, i was reading about ck lakshman he's a uh, kerala's first olympian again um, one of the military's highest grade uh, doctor so we've reached we've come from a position where our top footballers were also super smart talented uh, people and now we've reached a position where none of these people go to schools Uh, they can't think beyond i mean i'm sorry being very explicitly open here but like all they think about is instagram profile which woman is you know liking their profile it's it's annoying because i've worked with footballers i know what they do all day and this is just not good enough the system really needs to push them to study push them harder not just pamper them at the age of 18 19 you know go to school go to you know work out go, get this thing out or get chucked out of the system the system can't be that you you don't perform and you still get the money and everything so it's a it's a very problematic setup i'm not even saying that there is no money in indian football they there is just no like they just don't know what to do with the money uh, and this is something that uh, i again blame the isl because they came in and they inflated the prices just beyond redemption because it's a new product because they wanted it to you know look something different um they they were offering i think at in in 2013 2014 i don't want to name the players but they were average i league players were getting um what um, what an ishu kumar or uh, what a indian um, indian team or like indian starting 11 probable is getting today in 2014 15 so they just inflated the prices and then everything went up the demand on i league teams also went up a lot of player, players were thinking jesus if i'm getting 1 crore and if i have a 3 years contract i will take it up even if that doesn't mean i don't kick a ball because i need that money i'm not coming from a very privileged situation so i don't know where to begin bharat it's just it's so bad that you need some sort of a charismatic leader to come in and revolt first because there's too much dirt in the system that you need to revolt and then sort of say i'm going to change this thing in 10 years and i'm going to start like 15 academies across 15 excellent centers I'm going to bring the students. I'm going to give them uh, exposure. I'm going to put them under some pressure. You know, if you don't get uh, 80 marks out of 100 for the subject, you are out. It's not just football. If you don't get like 75 out of English, you you are out. So that you are also making a group of really responsible, strong individuals, and it's not just. And I hope that happens with the girls as well. It can't be just a, a boys project. It has to happen a whole like holistically. It has to. It has to involve our girls as well. in a country where there is no women's league i don't know what i'm imagining but yeah this <laughs> i mean this is the sad reality and i mean i think i put out a tweet the other day i said uh, i have great respect for people who are optimistic about indian football because that ship sailed for me a long time back 
I know it was one of the first things, you know, it's a bit of a reality check for me. And I'm like you said, I'm not part of the system, <laughs> despite what you might think. But I know the system well enough to lose uh, quite a bit of optimism. You know, uh, we do have little sparks of light, but uh, they get put out really quickly. But from what you're saying, you know, and from, you know, my experience, very, very limited experience of all that, it's really easy at the moment. And for the players, there's no real... Um, proper competition for them to progress to work hard um and uh you know i've shared my views about some of these players with their sleeve tattoos and colored hair i've mentioned them before i've called them out you know they're not at that level that they can get away with it but uh, it's you know it seems from what you're saying and i agree actually it seems to be a bit of an easy life at the moment if you're an isl player take the money and uh you know they'll probably scream at us because of the uh training they're probably assume uh, you know that they go through and the preparation and what have you but uh, i i get you i get where you're where you're coming from you know that uh and we've had coach um floyd on this show a couple of times he's very passionate about the arrows but yeah i mean with the sort of a second division being formed now i think uh the time is probably right now to you know instill a bit of competition for that team keep the team going by all means but make them work uh, to stay in the I League, so the I League has a bit of meaning as well. That there's not one team that's just turning up, and um, regardless of the result, they'll be safe. But another team that's putting in 110 percent but not getting the breaks gets relegated. Um, so yeah, I, I totally get your point on that. Um, but in terms of um, you mentioned the standard of football of where we where we are as a nation, as a club fo- in Asia, I take it you're not looking forward to the SAF Cup too much. I mean, uh, I, I'll watch because I'm hoping that it'll be the youngsters that, that are going to play and uh, there is going to be some plan to um, sort of, you know, develop a, a, a B team or like a strong a competition to the main squad because main squad is like completely out of ideas. It's just very bad football. And we've been like i think ever since the podcast started and i think two years prior to that is but we've been like talking about Chetri's successor and we've seen glimpses you know look at fc goa for example at the Turin cup we've seen a couple of good players there uh we've seen a couple of good players with the bfc reserves so there seems to be that potential but which club is going to take a you know gamble and play them uh, uh, regularly uh, like anishan bandita was quite good coming off the bench uh, for FC Goa last season, he's make, made a move uh, this time around to Jamshedpur. Is he going to get a chance? Because I think Jamshedpur, Jamshedpur has signed four strikers. So is he going to get a chance there? I doubt it. So it, it, it's going to be tricky, but I hope that uh, the SAF Cup is... I think if I remember right, it was the SAF Cup which saw uh, Changte uh, rise to prominence. Um, I, I remember right one, if I remember right, um, this fellow, I, I remember Googling and there was no article back then. So I called, made a couple of calls to AFF to figure out who he was. And there was a reporter, a local reporter covering. So we made him do a profile and uh, an interview and all that. So um, this is an opportunity for youngsters. And I hope the tournament is seen that way and not as a, you know, let me get some brownie points by securing a win or something. You have to take this seriously and also win. It can't be that you play a bunch of youngsters and say, oh, it was a bunch of youngsters. So it was just a great experience for them. You know, screw your experience. You need to now win. You have a you know system in the country. You have so much money flowing there. You have to be responsible also. If you can't produce the results, move out. Let somebody who, uh, you know, who can produce the results take over because this is, at the end of the day, if you want to outrage about taxpayers' money, here, here's one. Uh, example you know this is just outrageous right there's no results there's nothing well in fact if if I, if given a choice i would say if it's if it's my tax money being used put it on the women for example at least they are more likely to give us some success what is what is happening in there? so strange days but yeah, I mean, so, so will you be disappointed if you see sunil chelsea playing all the matches you see gopreet singh in goal for most of the matches and um you know if we don't win i mean this is this is the frustrating part for me that you know the next highest ranked team in this tournament i think is the maldives and they're about the 150s and we're 107 forget about the size of the country just the standard of football 
I just can't see why we're not beating. I mean, we saw what happened against Bangladesh in the qualifiers. And for the life of me, I just don't understand why we're not beating these countries so comfortably year in, year out, no matter what the competition. And, you know, we should be playing the under-23s in the South Cup. That's the level we should be at. I mean, uh, it also is down to, I think, bad coaching. I don't necessarily think our players are that bad. Okay, I mean, talking about Nepal and Bangladesh, I'm not talking about anything else. I think we have a squad good enough to beat them. But then when a uh, team sits back and defends, um, India seems to have no answers. And that's ridiculous. You know, somebody like a Brandon got great uh, shooting abilities. Can we then have like a strategy where we are taking a lot of shots from outside the box? Um, do we then have like a, a poacher in like Pandita or somebody who's playing along with uh, Sunil Chetri? Um, we need to have a, I mean, that's how, that's what good teams do, right? Like, it's not like suddenly a team sits back and we have no answers and we just complain, oh, they just sat back and defended. No, you have to find a way through, right? And good teams will find a way through. So if you're, if you're trying to cross the ball and their defenders are just, you know, getting it away again and again, you need, you figure out another way or you, you become smart enough to challenge for the second ball. I mean, they can win the header, of course, but where is the ball dropping? Do you have players there? And, um, you know, somebody like a Suresh, uh, an Amarjeet, all these are very, very good at winning the second ball. So you need to figure out a team and not just pick some 11 as if you're playing a FIFA match on, on your PC and pick a team, think throughout the match, be proactive with your substitutions and you you can you should ideally beat a Nepal and a Bangladesh with all due respect to their squads um, because they don't have the finishing. I mean, it would have been strange if Nepal and Bangladesh had a Sunil Chetri with them. I think they would have defeated us. Uh, they, they don't seem to have that clinical poacher. But um, uh, going back to your first question, whether I'll be disappointed if Chetri is playing, not really. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily think you should just play an under-23 squad. We should have like a couple of experienced heads. And uh, if Chetri can be that figure and inspire a, a sort of a young generation to play along with him, uh, that'll be good. But I will be sad because if he is the only striker player, I would want him to play in a, a slightly either his favorite left uh, sort of a left forward role or um, he's now sort of playing a withdrawn secondary striker role, whatever. But it it must mean somebody like, a, um, you know, the next generation striker, whoever it is, um, is given a proper shot. Because I was mighty impressed with FC Goa's Nemil, um, his composure, is scoring a lot of goals as well. So all these youngsters are out there waiting for an opportunity. Give it to them. Give it to them at the age of 18. Give it to them at the age of 19, it's like, if Nemil can go and perform in um, the lower leagues of La Liga, then he can play for India. There is no two ways about it. And give him it, give him that opportunity right away. Let's not wait another couple of ISL seasons uh, where he might or might not play. We, we don't know. FC Goa is such a talented squad. We don't know how many games he's going to get. So just give him that opportunity because at the end of the day, Constantine believed in Rolin Borges and that was one of the reasons why he... Um, you know, started playing early. Uh, Changte also, I think he was influential in terms of the opportunities. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll start, uh, you know, feeding these uh, these youngsters into the team as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll see. I mean, the, the, the player you mentioned, he's not being selected in the squad, um, but um, the usual names are there. A couple of new ones for me, like Mohamed, the Assyrian midfield. And, um, um, you yeah, know, We'll see who who you know, you say that um, you know this tournament has uh, produced some players before that came into um, the national reckoning. So, but you know, um, we'll see about the performance. I was going to say that if we win the tournament by the odd goal in the group stage and then one nil in the final, uh, I don't know. But I suppose we'll have to see what the performance is like as well. Um, I've got to take a question here before I move on. Uh, it's from a guy that joins pretty much every single show that we do, so I'm really grateful for him. But it's a question for you, Nevin. Um, it's from Shubnam Nayak. And Shubnam, I mean, you join every week. Um, you should come on the show. DM us and we'll get you on the show. But he's asking, Nevin, have you heard any news about the Reserve League? I'm assuming he's talking about the ISL. He's talking about the ISL. 
Yeah, I think there's been a lot of conversation about it. Um, in fact, last year, a lot of uh, teams like Kerala Blasters played an unofficial reserve league where wherever, I mean, they were playing the same match with the same opponent. Some of them agreed to it, some of them didn't. So, th so that they were getting some sort of a exposure. But um, nothing confirmed and um, very unlikely this season because of the corona restrictions and the bio bubble and uh, ground preservation and all that. Maybe next time around. But Shubnam, to be very honest, um, nobody can predict Indian football. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, the I think even somebody like Sunil Chetri has uh, highlighted the need for a reserve league. Um, but, um, you know, the people at Dwaraka needs to decide um, how to go about this. Uh, whether it's going to be an FSDL product itself, you want to, you know, give it off to somebody else. Uh, there might be these um, upcoming uh, broadcasters uh, who would want to carry it. So maybe Star Sports don't want to do the production. We can still show it because I know a club like Kerala Blast is going to get a support for a reserve league team as well. So it's not something all too bad. And if it's an all-Indian league, there's a lot of, you know, scouts, a lot of... Uh, um, proper football enthusiasts who are all going to be like watching it. So I hope it happens, but unfortunately, I've got no information about it. In fact, I think I know enough to know that it's not going to happen this time around. Well, he's saying to come on the show. So yeah, just DM your details and we'll get you on the show, Shubnam. So you can ask directly from the expert as to what's happening in Indian football. Just before we move away from the SAF Cup, um, like I said, um, the least we can expect is the trophy to come back. Because let's not forget, we did not win in the last tournament. The Maldives beat us. So, you know, but um, we'll look out for the performances. But uh, I heard a rumour. I don't know if you can clarify this. But the Federation have asked to join the Central Asian Football Federation. Where the likes of uh, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, I think Iran, Afghanistan. So proper footballing nations that, you know, would really test us is... I think that's the level that we should be aiming at. But, you know, if we were to enter a tournament with the likes of those countries in those countries, while it will be really good and that's where we should be, it would be a tough assignment at the moment if you look at it. So the deal, uh, from what I understand, is that um, they have invited. So it's like a, um, sometimes these foreign teams coming to Copa America, right? Right. So it's not like you are right. you are invited to be part of the uh, setup. It's just for like a tournament-based um, um, invitation. So India will continue to be part of the SAF SARC setup and not uh, the Central Asian. But that said, I mean, I I don't like I. We should never pass up these kind of opportunities. Go play difficult teams. Understand what it is like. Because it might at least motivate a couple of players to improve, if not the entire team and the uh, in the federation and everybody else. Go there, even if it means losing 4-0 or 3-0 or whatever, just go there, play your heart out and uh, learn from you know that experience, right? So India should never shy away from doing it. Um, but as fans, we need to also be very realistic about what to expect in these tournaments. Uh, uh, it, it's a reality check tournament more than anything else and go there figure out a setup i always believed india should always be set up for a counter-attacking we are not necessarily a position based i think Habas sort of touched on it in terms of the pitch quality not being good enough for fast football which is essentially saying the weight of the pass and things like that can get a little wrong for indian footballers kind of due to the infrastructure we have so Always be that very resolute defense team and have like three, four really good counter-attackers on board, like very pacey. I thought um, it sort of peaked with Udanda and Chetri during the last days of uh, constant rain, but uh, uh, Udanda has had a dip, like a severe dip post uh, that era and uh, Chetri is not getting any younger, so his pace also dipped a little. So we need to figure out another very fast counter-attacking setup and incorporate that ideology into the Indian football team so that way it doesn't matter if it's a Bangladesh that's playing or if it's a um, you know if it's a, a good Iran Iraq that is playing because the team will always have that same DNA and what it helps also is that when you are not a team that is meant to keep a lot of possession um, it is very difficult for teams to play a low block because you are not really pushing them uh, and they can't stay there. So they will also be broken and their, uh, you know, at least the midfielders will have to push a little forward. 
and then if you have that counter attacking or that kind of you know a killer pass making midfielder you will always have the runs from the forwards and that's how you beat the setup right um, it's very i mean at least on on theory you know it's not always this easy on practice but um, which is why i feel like it, it you don't need to feel bad that you're not dominating a position against nepal or bangladesh it doesn't reflect badly we need to have an ideology it's not like 80% position against nepal is going to win us in a just have that very solid ideology which is a fast counter attacking team with a good uh, defensive base and just keep working on it how like just why why is there need to experiment every match why is there need to yeah. you know uh, you know tinker with it every day so hopefully i know i'm sounding very pessimistic in this episode but this is well it's, like a, it, it's the reality of uh, where indian football is and it's something we talk about pretty much the start of every season but uh, just to finish up on the international um uh, Shubnam, to be fair, makes a really good point. I mean, we know we're not going to leave South due to the political um, connotations around that. But he says uh, we should try and get our uh, under-23s invited to the various uh, tournaments like the Central Asian and uh, what, uh, even the Gulf they have under-23. So I think that's a really good chance and the way forward. Uh, very quickly, I mean, the Duran Cup has been going on. Um, Goa and Bengaluru in the semi-finals together with Mohammedan and um, Goa. Oh, two teams from Bengaluru, in fact, in the semi-finals. Um, have you had any chance to see the football? Because it is one of the traditional um, historical tournaments. And um, how I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it, because obviously we don't get any coverage here. Um, but two teams from Bengaluru in the semi-finals, and together with another name from the uh, historical books, uh, Mohammed Sporting. Sporting. Uh, it's been a very interesting tournament because of um, uh, the criticism. It's been horrible pitches and it's been raining cats and dogs in Calcutta, which has not helped the cause at all. Uh, so there's been a lot of conversation as to how unhealthy this tournament is for a lot of players, a lot of serious injuries as well. So I think that way it's been getting a lot of publicity. Um, and uh, in, in terms of um, the tournament and prestige, I think I saw a very interesting tweet today where uh, the person highlighted that yes, there's legacy, there is, um, but you need to also understand that you know this is a modern team and you can't when there is such a uh, low prize money involved for teams to come there with main squad and risk these injuries prior to the tournament. Just expecting too much. That's just not the reality of it. You know, either you up the prize money so that it's worth it, otherwise don't. And and the the, the grounds are a mess. Uh, I mean, I'm very sorry to say it, but it's, it's very, very bad. And it's not really meant for football. I mean, it would be meant for a very entertaining uh, football in like Takeshi's castle or something. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, like it's, it's, not a, a, it's not a proper football ground at all. So, uh, but nevertheless, um, I think a couple of teams have taken this opportunity to field youngsters. So I was being, I've been really impressed with FC Goa. Uh, a lot of youngsters there, Nemil being my favorite. Um, um, and then uh, Bangalore FC has also used it really well in terms of Leon Agustin, uh, Chetri, Butia. A lot of these uh, youngsters, uh, you know, showing that uh, there is there is a good uh, future there as well. Um, FCBU is a very interesting team, Bangalore United. I think uh, they're backed by the very good people. It's a good management. It's a it's a club to watch out for the future. Um, uh, Richard Hood is involved. Um, uh, Gaur Mangi Singh is involved. Um, it's also uh, one one of those uh, managements where I keep hearing that uh, in terms of facilities, in terms of everything else, it's been very professional. So um, to see them there is a very interesting sign, right? Um, and Delhi FC under Ranjit Bajaj also gave uh, was there till quarterfinals, uh, losing to FC. Goa is not a small feat at all. They did defeat uh, Kerala Blasters as well. So um, it's nice to see that uh, the I-League qualifiers suddenly have very interesting teams in um, and uh, um, and the fact that something like a some team like a Delhi FC can go and challenge a Kerala Blasters who's who's gone there to the tournament with their full squad uh, goes on to show that um, the 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 difference from the top to the bottom in Indian football is not so much. And uh, which is why we have to keep crying for promotion and relegation. That that is the beauty of things, right? It's not so uh, it's not so different. So 
give give these boys a chance to play at the top level as well get them you know spotted let the system move let let there be like a full circle let's not let that team stagnate on top and um, that will also mean a lot more loan moves a lot more clubs willing to invest in footballers it's just overall better for the football ecosystem to have like a a, a, a circular motion for this uh, for football growth um so i mean that way i think duran cup has been a good eye opener in so many ways in terms of the footballers that we've identified uh, the realities of indian football the, the challenges that we face um, so i think that way i've been happy with duran cup but as a footballing spectacle it's been a mess because of uh, <laughs> because of the other conditions in calcutta yeah that's really i didn't know about the conditions but what it doesn't surprise me uh, but uh, you know it's it's good to see these clubs i think they are planning for when relegation and promotion will be brought in like the likes of uh, delhi we know ranjit he's been on the show and bengaluru uh, it would be good to see if both the teams from bengaluru proper derby in the final that'll be a good challenge uh, a good uh, challenge for bengaluru to see where they are uh, united that is uh, but I think it's a, it's an example that tournaments like the Rovers Cup, the Federation Cup, the Durand Cup, they should be brought in as part of the pre-season. So you get these other teams competing against, all right, there might be ISL reserve teams, but you know if they get beaten in a regular basis, you'll see proper ISL teams competing as well. But um, it shows the stand, the, like you said, the gap isn't huge at the moment. Um, just... M- and like I said, we'll see uh, what pans out. And if there is a Bengaluru derby, that'll be a proper one rather than Kerala against Bengaluru or something like that. That's about three, four hours distance. Um, moving to Europe, um, who had the better deal? PSG with Messi or United with Ronaldo? Mm, a tough call, actually, for me. Uh, obviously, Messi seems to be the the bigger bet in terms of everybody thinks he can give the Champions League to PSG but Ronaldo is a very clever move by United as well I think that whatever he does he's going to score 20 goals and United thought okay that's a very easy uh, investment because uh, Ronaldo is going to sell t-shirts and merchandise for sure and that's the case of Messi as well but here it's somebody who can bang in those guaranteed goals also and they thought Okay, they are not getting a Harry Kane or a Haaland this summer, so might as well go for a Ronaldo. Who, I mean, at, at 36 also, he's not going to... I mean, he's, he's no longer the same player, but he's still very clinical in and around the box. So, um, I think by the, by the grand nature of it, Messi seems to be the bigger deal because nobody expected Messi to move. There's so much like, you know, happening in the summer. There's a lot of conversation. Ronaldo thing happened very fast. You started hearing a rumor for City. Two days later, he had signed for United. So, I think just by the uh, the, the 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 scale of it, um, the Messi move seems large. But I was just talking to my friend. I mean, um, this is a team that also signed Donnarumma, Sergio Ramos, Hakimi, uh, Van Alden. <laughs> what a summer PSG has had! Like that's that any of these players, if you sign, you would be happy as a team. Like, if, if Sergio Ramos was the only player that you signed in your team, you would probably be still happy because he's like an elite winner. Donnarumma, for example, top top European keeper. So, um, the, the fact that um, Messi was signed along with these teams, I think what PSG has there, like in terms of squad, it's, it's humongous. That said, having a lot of players is not good enough, right? You need to still win with them and still figure out a way how Real operated, I think, in the Galatico days. Um, they need to figure out a way they're all happy and they're going to win win a lot of stuff. Um, I don't think it's been all rosy. I've not had a chance to watch no. that one. I don't think it's been rosy at all. They've been eking out with one-to-ones and stuff. Messi being substituted, that, that that's causing a lot created of drama. That's created headlines. Yeah, so, and it's not been very rosy for Ronaldo as well. I mean, I know he scored a lot of goals, but United has also not been playing great football. And it's like, um, you know, um, you have a issue with a water leak at your home. You can obviously get a, a seal to close it for a while. But at the end of the day, you still need a plumber. I think with United, I think their problem was the midfield. Um, they didn't really address that issue and they just got a Ronaldo this summer. 
maybe they were better off looking for a good central midfielder, which I think is still lacking in that mm. squad. Somebody who can defend. And uh, I think that problem is still uh, a headache for them because McTominay, Fred, uh, matches don't seem to be the quality. I mean, they have quality across the pitch otherwise. With, oh, yeah. Even though Sanchez oh, yeah. not really hit the ground running, they have good quality across the pitch. They have, uh, you know, top signings and top players everywhere. So, that centre midfielder is something I think they should have broken the bank or figured out a good, uh, you know, young player to be slotted there. But right now, I think that's that's getting exposed a little. So, it's not been rosy for, I think, both Ronaldo and Messi. But they're just too good to just I mean, their mediocre season will still be uh, a good season for most players. So, yeah, I mean, obviously they're headline signings, but um, both have not started well. And this, like I said, the uh, substitution with Messi at PSG the other day that created headlines. Is there a rift already? And that what comes with these sort of players when you start, you know, you can't stop substitute a player without creating a controversy. I mean, that's ridiculous. But like they struggle against Burn in the Champions League. United, as you know, lost to that last minute fantastic goal in the Switzerland, I think it was. Uh, but here there's talk around, you know, while Ronaldo is a sentimental comeback and financially it'll be brilliant for United and for the Premier League it'll be, it's really brilliant to have him back but it's not something the United were needing like you say they didn't need that sort of play in the midfield and they were going down a different route but all of a sudden they get a 36 year old which is going against the previous signing so a bit of a weird one uh, but it'll be, after yesterday it'll be interesting to see who takes the next penalty because uh, the two Portuguese guys are very passionate and um, what, what do you think? Do you think what Fernandez you think? will get the next one? I think um, just for the sake of order, I think Bruno is going to take another one. But if Bruno is going to miss another one, I think that's the end. Then it's going to be all Ronaldo. So uh, there will be extra pressure on Bruno as well. It could yeah. lead to a situation, yeah. I think, like last year. In, last year was like two seasons back in Barcelona where they were really struggling to finish penalties because there were so many takers there. Suarez, Messi, but none of them seem to be scoring a lot of penalties. So, could lead to that. While till Ronaldo was not there, Bruno was clearly the favourite. And I thought he, the, the penalty he missed, he didn't go for his uh, that hop, skip and jump sort of uh, approach. For, he yeah. was just blasted. Yeah. It. So, that it really, really shows his confidence really is also. Yeah, it's just the pressure is really on him. So, let's Do you see. think... This year, it is the strongest Premier League we've had. And we've usually had, you know, the top six. But now it's the big four. Yeah, the big four is back. And big four doesn't beat an Arsenal. So, <laughs> it's... Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I think there's a big four. And I think there's a really good uh, six below them as well. Who can on their day beat uh, the top four. So, it's going to be really intense uh, Premier League. I think... Leicester, for example, John had the best of starts and they have a decent squad. And, um, you know, look at how Brentford is playing. Look at how, you know, these these clubs have uh, uh, really risen and Brighton has been playing really yeah. well. Yeah, so, although, so, they were lucky last although they were lucky last week. Yeah, but um, twice, was it? <laughs> so, Three two, times. two goals. Three right? times. Three. Yeah, but like, you know... At least they're competing. It's not like they were pushovers, and um, and they've, they've developed a good team there. Um, good to see Welbeck scoring goals. <laughs> so I mean, uh, I don't even consider both Brentford and uh, um, Brighton amongst that that six that I was talking about. I think there's a you know somebody like a Rafa Benitez will never be easy to beat. I know Everton's had their slips here and there, but on big days, he will come fully prepared and he will have his team ready for it. So, uh, it's, it's a good league. It's it's a fascinating league. Um, I've um, I've been like really liking how Chelsea's been set up till yesterday. I was going to um, say. Yesterday was very, yesterday was very uncharacteristic and it, it, it felt like Conte more than Tuchel. So, yeah. uh, uh, Sorry, yeah, uh, there was no intent to attack at all. And uh, yeah, just, uh, and I mean, I, I might be um, a little wrong here, but Lukaku does change the dynamics a little. He's not going to run and defend. So 
everybody was comparing it to this uh, you know final against manchester city in the in the in champions league and you have to understand that both havertz and werner were constantly running that day they were offering a lot of runs and in mount they had a very dynamic midfielder who is also who can join the forward line yesterday mount was missing kante just couldn't cope with the attacking uh, demands from his position and um, with lukaku you lost one runner also because he he will offer the body is a good target man and all that but uh, chelsea couldn't stretch that defense um and there, there was nobody playing into the channels as well because i think kovacic jorginho and kante in the center offered no real attacking threat from them. so sort of uh, i think tuchel played it into pep's hands um chelsea can blame themselves more than anything and uh, to be honest um, jorginho and alonso have their flaws they are they are exceptional footballers but they have their flaws especially in a you know very intense tournament like uh, the premier league where physicality is. i think the moment alonso is playing in the defensive half it is trouble for chelsea mm-hmm. if he is in the attacking half it's a good game but if he is in the defensive half i think benzelwell is on any day a better option i know he's struggling mentally and he's at like his problems but like um, uh, an informed fully focused ben chilwell is always a better option than alonso when in, in these matches i believe and jorgino also i think the moment uh, he got lifted for loftus cheek you could see that sudden you know composure and the drive forward because jorgino has no pace he can't run past a, a midfielder so he is always looking for that ball out and sometimes you need that drive so i think the only drive from center midfield comes from kovacic he's the only one who can carry the ball so somebody like a loftus cheek or a mount is very important in that spot as well if you're going to play a defensive uh, setup like yesterday so i mean i'm sure tuchel understands this before i mean better than we do and he will hopefully address this but um, but i mean i think it's a good reality check for indian uh, for chelsea and uh, Uh, the the pundits were getting really overboard they were just saying this is chelsea's league to be won i was like oh my god how can you you know jump to these conclusions like into like three matches four matches and they were already you know writing it off and this is chelsea's league to be won we you remember we had this discussion before the tournament and we were we, were, we clearly thought manchester city is going to be big we clearly thought liverpool is not i mean as long as the main squad is fit liverpool is going to be really good so it's not really a surprise for us but like sometimes just you know pandits get overboard i'm sure they'll you know start criticizing chelsea next week also just what they do well take out rave reviews last week in the second half performance against tottenham kante really changed that game uh, but i was surprised with the selection yesterday and um i saw the first half before i went to the leicester game and you just couldn't get out of your you know your half you uh, you know the pressure from man city you couldn't break it and you didn't have a plan b which was surprising with tuchel uh but fair play to man city you know they came and did a job but uh, i think tuchel helped them in that as well but um in in terms of the top 4 you know at the moment with three losses now isn't it for man united they uh, there's all, already headlines about ole uh, this uh, this morning in the papers um but klopp again you know brentford the atmosphere at brentford is it's not just the atmosphere it's the football as well it's very good to watch they're a good team to watch and um i wouldn't say that about too many teams in the premier league um you know they they are quite dour some of them like even aston villa you know i wouldn't like to watch them but they came out with a result yesterday with a dodgy uh, decision i mean that was the i mean don't get me started yesterday that goal was allowed yeah two of our goals against brighton very exactly pretty much the same way were disallowed uh the refereeing standard has been so poor and in our europa league um game against napoli we're winning 2-0 but the referee was so bad it's unbelievable um but um it was good a european night as well against napoli they are i mean they're a class act they are a good team but we were 2-0 up and uh brendan decided to change a few things which uh, allowed the italians to come back um and we've got leisure wars away this week so looking forward to see that uh, but the fans I, i don't know if you saw some of the headlines there was uh, i mean napoli haven't got the worst reputation but 97 arrests we I can't remember the last time that's happened at leicester you get one or two arrests but 97 arrests they're quite vicious and 
Leicester's in for a shock when uh, fans from Moscow and Ligia Warsaw come into town. So that'll be interesting. Something to not look forward to, but look forward to in another way as well. Uh, but um, I've just got to end. Um, really good news about the Indian women's team. You know, you said that, you know, if you want your taxpayers' money, I'd like it to be invested there. They're getting some friendlies in UAE in preparation for the Asia Cup. So that's a good sign. And uh, the, the I've heard um, stories that they're going to go and uh, hopefully come to Europe as well to carry on with their preparation. I'll be happy when it actually happens. So I'm like, so I mean, uh, the friendlies will happen for sure because now that they've announced it. But the others about uh, you know going to Europe and all, we've been hearing this about women's team forever. So if it happens, it happens. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. So we will you know we will hold our horses on that uh but just generally i think there's been a lot of noise uh we journalists a lot of people on uh, twitter uh we've been making enough noise so that it's been heard so i think it's partly a success from all these people who've been talking about women's football um religiously and following them telling their stories and uh, credit to them i mean i've i've not talked so much so i've no right to be claiming it but there are people who religiously, you know, keep track of Indian women's football and, you know, talk about it uh, openly. So I think it's it's a partly due to them that, the, you know, the Federation is in pressure and uh, especially when the IWL was cancelled, a lot of people called out and said, you know, how can you not even have a league? Um, I mean, the league itself was a sham, which is like a two-week tournament, but that also you take away from, and then you cite mysterious reasons like, you know, they need to be prepared or like, um some tournament here and there all that but uh, and gokulam i mean we need to highlight that they put out a very strong jersey sort of uh supporting the uh the women's team uh, both their home jersey and oh. their away jersey oh. yeah it's a very interesting concept i think even a lot of international publications carried it they were really i think massa or somebody you know, um, you know carried the news uh so i think a lot of people are I mean, not a lot but there are people putting in a lot of effort to uh, ensure that the conversations on indian women's football remain and i think this is just a result of that rather than actual keen interest from uh, federation so hopefully we can all keep doing it doing it doing it so that our women get enough football and uh, yeah, listen we were supposed to host a world cup so we better be prepared why are we still not you know talking about uh, you know girls team and uh, you know women's football and stuff so hopefully hopefully we'll just keep doing it and annoying the federation more to a point that they take this seriously do you, do you, do you know while you were saying that i think we need a list of things for federation it'd be about a volume wouldn't it in terms of what they need to do to get things right but you know we'll 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 keep the uh, conversation around indian women's football going as well but that was a good piece of news um but you mentioned this shirt but it just shows the power of uh, kerala in terms of um just a few digits on the back of a shirt can take over uh, twitter uh, what's the meaning behind 1973? Uh, but uh, it, it's the power of that football club supporters. Is they win every single poll, but even something like that generates huge conversations. Um, I think you've mute, muted yourself there. Yeah. So yeah. I, I what I was saying yeah. is that. Uh, I don't even think the 1973 campaign was deliberate because they've done nothing on the jersey per se to you could have incorporated something from you know from those days um you know put an image there put the Kerala logo whatever you just put like 1973 I really doubt if that's um been a lot of thought behind the campaign it's sort of almost like an afterthought you know we've made a very generic yellow jersey let's put 1973 just to you know highlight a lot of the content has been used in their video by the way so credit oh. to me for digging oh. out all this stuff <laughs> so yeah i was thinking it's it's just i i love those footballers the they featured in the videos as well i've had the honor to go talk to the coach as well in Tanjavur. That video is also there in Kalpana. So I was thinking, like, let them get as much exposure as possible. It's not yeah. about me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The, that way I didn't really make a fuss about it. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, but, but, uh, no, but uh, the power of, uh, the power of uh, 
the uh, supporters the, uh, the yellow supporters and yellow yeah, anything, anything is important. Uh, I wish we could like, um, generate very... electricity out of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, very quickly before um, very quickly we end, before um, we... Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, the conversation has turned to a biannual World Cup. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Good thing, bad thing? Bad thing. Bad thing. I mean, I don't want to change. I think probably because I am a very, uh, that very traditionalist because I want like my World Cup to be in the summer and not really disrupt um, uh, the thing and... Uh, um, and also, I, I, I mean, that four-year wait is what sort of made a World Cup, you know, really worth it, right? I, I know everybody is trying to leech into whatever money that can come out of this product, yeah. but uh, come on, let's not, let's not kill the, uh, you know, golden egg laying chicken. Uh, it, it, it is beautiful the way it is, and sometimes you don't need to, you know, do that extra. You just figure out something within. If you want to earn money, all well and good. I'm not that guy who would say you should not generate revenue, but you have to, you know, to respect the sport and what it means for a lot of people also, right? If, if for example, there's a World Cup every two years or every one year, then I'm sort of like, Bharat, I think your background just disappeared, by the way. Oh, has it? <laughs> and, oh, has it? Yeah. Ah, now it's back. And um, and yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't care about it so much. I wouldn't probably even watch it if if there's a World Cup now and then. So I think that's the case with Copa America. They there was suddenly a lot of Copa Americas happening from Copa America centenary and this yeah. that and all. Yeah. Like every other year, Messi was losing a Copa America, and I was like, what is happening? Here? I I'm not even keeping track of this. So I don't want that to happen to World Cup, but. Um, even if that Agreed. means better opportunity for football and you know, smaller teams and all that, I, I think it has to be what it is. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, another topic that we agree on, but uh, the main topic we agree on is that it's good to be back with the football show and talking to you as well on a Sunday. It starts, uh, well, ends the week, starts the week, whichever way you look at it in a great way. Uh, but thank you again for your time, my friend. Uh, keep up the fantastic work. I look forward to uh, reading more of uh, Vuvuzela and don't forget to share the link. Let's get those subscribers up. And um, obviously, the video is coming up in Kalpanta as well. Looking forward to that as well. But um, you stay safe, my friend, and um, we'll catch up again next week, hopefully. Hopefully. Bye bye, Good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.